So anyway, it was me and Sting, and we're watching the 2009 horror classic, The Collector. Right. When he turns around and he, he looks at me and he says, Jim, he says, do you want to watch me throw up? And I thought, that's strange. That is an unusual request. And I think that registered on my face. Because he said, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, that was inappropriate. I just, I thought that was the direction the evening was going. You put on the collector. I thought you might want to see me throw up. And I said, it's just I hadn't considered the opportunity, Sting, that you'd want me to. So I went and did it. Um, you know, went into the bathroom. He uh, went over the uh, the toilet and heaved because it's considerate like that. The only problem is, is I forgot if I hear someone vom, I vom, so I vomed. And then he stopped, like on on a dime, just like that, and looked up and said, I don't want to see that shit. Oh. Yeah. Oh, this was not a mutual thing. This is like, no, I'm going to be sick. I don't want you to be. Ugh. Yeah. And I said, you know, fair dues, fair dues. Yeah. And, and then we, you know, the collector had wrapped up by then. We actually, you know, we let the credits roll. And then we went back to writing the, writing the script. We're working on a, a show, The Unfuckable Jimmy Shit. Ah. Uh. <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. I had it. I wanted him on as a like a celebrity. Like he he was going to play the the homunculus I, I create in the basement because <laughs> um, that's the the premise. Is I go go to New York after living in a hole um, to create various you know homunculi and and other you know artificial life forms. And and one of those homunculi will be the the titular unfuckable Jimmy Shit or whatever. Yeah, if you like. Well, I assume that's where that was going there. Have I misunderstood your premise? The general idea is that no one has sex because I don't know how to write a sex scene. Ah. So I thought if I just if I just made the premise that, you know, someone's unfuckable and called Jimmy shit because I like the, the way... Um, I always thought as a name, like, shit rolls off the tongue. So I thought Jimmy Schmidt... Jim, Jimmy, Jimmy Schmidt is an actor. Um, Jimmy shit is my um, fantasy persona. I LARP with it. Side note, tangent, I've never seen The Collector. I googled The Collector to find out, like, okay, I'm curious what this is. Now, that's the thing, is that when, when, they, when Jim said The Collector in 2009, I was like, wait a minute, 2009 The Collector? Is that a remake of the 1965 film The Collector starring Terrence Stamp? No. No, it's not. No, I, I need to I need to say something about the 2009 collector. Oh, sure. This villainous character. I had two thoughts when I saw their design. First of all, <laughs> this looks like a mask that Jim would make for a bit on a video. Mm-hmm. It's why I watched it back in 2010. And B, if you told me this, this film was called The Avocado Murders, <laughs> I would believe you because that man's mask <laughs> just looks like an Adobe <laughs> avocado. <laughs> Stretch over his face. Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> Trying to wipe out millennials before they killed businesses. <laughs> Meanwhile, oh. I'm sitting here thinking, oh, wow, this is going to be a tension-filled drama focused on two characters, one of whom is a butterfly collector who's decided to expand to human specimens. No, uh-huh. well, it's a murderer with an avocado for a mask. Yeah, that one doesn't sound as as as... Funny. He's got immaculate teeth behind this very weird mask. His teeth are a bit too perfect. That's how you know that there's like something a little off about the character. Because mm-hmm. I, I saw him at th- first and thought, you know, oh, that's the kind of mask I'd wear. You don't look so bad. And then I thought, whoa, that's some white, white teeth right there. You look at this avocado mask that the collector is wearing and I'm like, this is 
the level of mask you would get if like Jim had had the cornflake homunculus idea but also owned like a latex mask producing machine in 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 their house mm. I actually I wanted to get a latex mask um, designer to do a, a, a proper latex cornflake homunculus mask and for no matter how much I described and showed images they did they couldn't get it <laughs> they didn't understand I'm like look just make make Use latex to make it look like a head made out of cornflakes. Yeah, just just look at the 2009 movie The Collector and stick <laughs> cornflakes on it. Yeah, do that. <laughs> yeah, this, but cornflakes rather than avocado. It was going to be a prequel to Saw, was uh, was The Collector, but they, they said, no, fuck it, and didn't. Oh. And it got a sequel, right? Get this. It's called The Collection. Boom, brilliant. It's just like aliens. There's apparently a collector three as well, and the E Ooh. in the middle of the word collector is a backwards three. That's oh, how well. you know they're clever at filmmaking. Oh yeah, I love it. Yeah, I, I've I've <laughs> only watched like the first ten minutes of the collection. I've I've not gone through the entire collector mythology, and that's uh, that's 2009 film year in review. <laughs> <laughs> Join in next week for 2010 when we talk about another terrible, probably, yeah. horror film. That none of us actually watched. Uh, hey, everyone, it's Polquisition. Yeah. We're here. We talk about video games sometimes when we can, when we feel like it. Yeah, yeah. Do, do we feel like it today? I mean, honestly, no. Well, too too bad. We're all here. Yeah. That's, well, that's why we're here. So get your act together. Video oh. games. Okay. All right. So who played some? I played some. There you go. There you go. I'll, I'll get us started off. I'll show you how easy it is to talk about a video game. The main thing I've kept playing this week is I'm still playing Yakuza Like a Dragon, and I continue to be fascinated by this weird all-over-the-place mess of a game. I have problems with it, but I consistently come away from... Anytime I sit down to play it, I'm like, I love this game. I love this game. That's how I feel about it. This past week, I have mainly been doing more weird, silly side quest adventures. I unlocked an in-game karaoke track to play that was... You know how in Evanescence's Bring Me to Life, you've got like a good song and then some men screaming for no reason who shouldn't be there? Like, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. I unlocked a terrible one of those in game and it was wonderful. It's the most <laughs> it's the most painful thing I've ever listened to, but it's done with such sincerity I can't help but kind of like it. Oh, okay. I have continued to play way too much of Yakuza's business management minigame. I think I talked about this last week. You did. I mean the the, the Yeah. The, all of the weird management and, and um host club running minigames they do in the series is great. I'm really looking forward to it, but I've been waiting for the, the PS5 one. That is totally fair and understandable. Yeah. I've been playing it on Series X mainly because A, I got given code for it there, and B, I need fucking something to play on the Xbox. Oh god. I have it here, I need an excuse to play something on it. I think since last week I've unlocked there's a whole Mario Kart game in there that's just full-on Mario Kart to play with a whole tournament. I went on a weird side quest earlier in the week where I was trying to give spicy kimchi to an old lady so that she would run across the road to relive her old sprinting days. That tracks? Yeah, yep. yeah. The best way to explain my experience with the game is I sat down to play it on stream the other night, mm -hmm. and I went straight from terrible, over-the-top parody karaoke song, straight into, like, oh no, my characters are being tortured and left for dead, and we're about to start a war between different political factions about five minutes later, and that is very much... 
has been my experience throughout the game still. I continue to have a lot of fun with the turn-based combat stuff in that game. I finally got I got far enough in that I started to unlock different job roles, and that has kept everything feeling fairly fresh in that anytime I'm feeling a bit bored of the characters, I'm like, right, you have a new job now, let's see what, what moves I have now. Yeah. Which has been fun. It's just allowed me to keep changing up what I'm actually doing in-game. And yeah, I continue to just be having a really pleasant time with Yakuza. I'm on chapter seven. I don't know how many chapters there are. I don't have any real sense of how far into the game I am. And I'm just continuing to play absolutely every side quest I find because that's the main thing I want to be doing. What about you both? What you been playing this week? Yeah, I, I fell back into Factorio, which is something that happens to me once, twice a year. This is that one where you make the conveyor belts and they do the things. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a conveyor belt. Well, it's it's a logistics factory simulator. You're crashed on an alien planet and with a pickaxe and you start from mining stone and wood and, and a little bit of iron to building things to smelt those into plates and then those plates get refined into gears that get made into conveyor belts and then you're dragging shit all over the place to machines to refine them into different objects that go into other objects eventually with the goal being to develop a uh, rocket ship that you can put a satellite on and send into space to get rescued. It is incredibly relaxing if you turn off the enemy forces on the planet. Yes, yeah, because... You, you can have, basically, little enemies come and fuck up your shit and now your machine doesn't work because somewhere in it someone destroyed a bit of conveyor belt, is my understanding. Well, yeah, and, and it's not, you know, yeah, they'll, what happens is you have these creatures that spawn, they have, you know, little spawning things and they grow and develop over time. And as your factory grows in size and produces pollution, it attracts them. And so there's sort of an ecological balance uh, consumption statement thing going on with it, which is interesting. But there are a couple of things you can do that allow the customization of the I mean, the game's very customizable in terms of frequency and volume of resource appearance and all of these settings you can set. But you can turn off, there's a, there's a mode that, that's peaceful mode, and I think, I haven't actually read into this, I'm sure someone listening is just dying with rage at the moment because I'm going to get it wrong, I think peaceful mode just removes the aliens entirely. Or I say aliens, the indigenous creatures entirely. Yeah. The people whose planet you've come to pollute to high heaven. <laughs> right. Now, by this point, I'm many hours into this replay. This is the first time. I, I don't know if Peaceful Mode even existed last time I played it, because I, I think it's finally done final release since the last time I did a run of it. But I've been all over this map, and I haven't run into one batch of these aliens yet. Or people or creatures or things, these threats. So I think it just removed them. And that's fine. That's certainly better than the other alternative that I'd been playing on, which simply removes their aggression. Oh! No, so they just hang out. They hang out, and, you know, and their little bases grow, and they in this mode, have a resource that you require oh. to finish your technological development. Oh. Yeah. And so you you can leave them alone long enough until you have 
built up the equipment, you know, built a car, stuck a missile launcher on it, you know, outfitted it with all these guns so that you can, you know, and build turrets that you could put in placements to basically, you know, goad them into coming to attack you and slaughter them in an ambush and wipe out their civilization to collect this resource. And it really does cast a different tone on the whole thing. (laughs) You remove the ecological statement and then immediately turn it into a, like a horrible colonizer simulator. Fascinating game, but really satisfying yeah. to build complex machines that make things. Yeah, it, it's it's there is something very satisfying about a good sorting and organizing and everything does its job kind of game. Yep, yep. I haven't played it in a while, but I want to go back to my my one of those that I haven't played in a while, Wilmot's Warehouse. I don't know if either of you played this. I haven't played that. No. It's an indie game, and the whole point is that you are this cute little creature organising a warehouse. And you're not told, like, where things should go. It is up to you to design an organisational system for this warehouse. And, like, let's say you might start putting all the things that are blue together, or later you might start taking some of those blue things away and going, well, uh, we'll make that a a section for things that are to do with boats, and we'll put, uh, you know, some of those blue things were to do with uh, something else, we'll go put them in this section, and... It's just a game about sorting things in such a way that you'll know where you would find them later. Like, when you're asked later to find something, you'll go, I bet I would have put it with these. Right. Mm. It's just a really satisfying game of everything has a place and a place for everything, and it may look like a mess to you, but it's my mess, and I know where everything is. Oh, I can so identify with that mood. Yeah, yeah, that... That is my game that I come back to once or twice a year for that kind of thing of just everything's just fitting together how I want it to. And it's all good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I get really into that. And, you know, I will play this. I will play Factorio for the next three or four weeks. It'll idly run in the background as I do other tasks and I'll pick it up and I'll be like, okay, I'm going to build a little addition to this machine and set it down. And eventually I'll launch that rock and I'll be like, all right, cool. I did it again. Are you one of those people where you launch your missile and you're like, yep, I'm done? Or are you one of the people who's ever considered like, I want to get it to the point where I'm launching a missile every second and I've got my whole min-maxed thing going? That seems unnecessary. (laughs) You know, I, I, I... like I get, I, I get why that's satisfying for people to do it, but no, I, I don't, I don't need. I got the goal done. Yeah, you can come back and do it six months from now and do it again. That's right. What about you, Jim? Would you play? Um, I keep turning the PlayStation Five on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Ah, uh, yep. Do, do you play anything when you do that? Oh no. No. No, I I, uh, I just turn it on and, and have a look at the, the shop and think, no, nah, I'm not desperate enough to, to buy Temtem. Fuck, I, I've, I've played Temtem this week, but only because I got given code for it. Well, there you go. I, I downloaded code being like, oh, I've been given console code for it. Presumably that means it's like finished. It's out of early access, probably, if it's on console. Yeah. No, it's still in early access. Oh, it's there on the PlayStation 5 store, like a finished game with everything else. Yeah. It is an early access game, though, as it will very big in very big text tell you when you boot it up. Oh, well. Hey, does it say that in the product description? I have no idea. I haven't seen the product description. Mm. I haven't had a proper look. Yeah, I haven't either, actually. They should probably make sure that's in the product description. It might be. 
Yeah, I need to find out what level of developed that is, because I don't... It's the same as Ooblets. I don't want to stick my time into it if I'm going to get, like, several hours in and go, well, I kind of just have to stop here now. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm that way, but with an entire new generation game library. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, now I've, I've, I've got to stop putting it on till I know something, like, new that I, you know can't just get somewhere else it's out yeah you're not you're not stuck with demon souls well i've got a few bits to finish up on demon souls so i, I mm. could go back to it but you know it's one of them I, one of them things where i put it down for a bit so now i've got a g up to get back into it uh, um I'm, I'm done with everything else I've, I've i've had my had my fill of everything else I jumped back on the PS5 a little bit this this week just because I, I've been wanting to start replaying uh, Miles Morales because I just really enjoy the gameplay loop on that. And they've done an update, I think it was today, that you know how you were complaining, hey, the, the big things they're selling the console on are like ray tracing and 60 frames a second, but you can't do them both at once? Yeah. You can now. Oh. There is a 60 frames a second ray tracing mode. Good. Yeah. It looks very shiny. I played with a suit where Marl's helmet it had a helmet on that was reflective I kept being like oh that's the building in his helmet I mean it looks good I don't understand the level of hype for ray tracing as a feature but I mean I like 60 frames a second and sure it looks a bit nicer with ray tracing I'll take that yeah like that's I might have a look yeah it is a nice little update yeah because like I said, it was just a terrible first impression for something saying play has no limits to put it on and immediately it's like, select your limit. Well, I've taken that a bit differently of you're not limited to one way of playing. You have options of how to play. That is a, that's, oh, that is a, that's a good PR answer. Would you say that PC has limits because you have graphic settings? No, your PC might have limits, but someone else's, <laughs> I mean, my PC doesn't have limits currently. It's it's at <laughs> that because Conrad made it real nice. Actually, no, it does have limits because we don't have the the new thing in it yet. Goddamn video card. Yeah. yeah. So yes, PC <laughs> does have limits depending on which one you've got. But they're not saying the PC company isn't saying <laughs> that, that play has no limits on the PC. The, the PC company. Yeah, yeah. CEO <laughs> Percy PC hasn't gone on TV and said play has no limits. Point being, this this patch is a good sign. It seems like look, looking at the fact that this happened but a few weeks after launch, I get the impression this probably needed a few more weeks to, to have that ready, but they needed something for launch. And that's console launches. Yeah. That's, you know, not unexpected. I mean, we'll see. Like, like there were news and stuff about there being similar compromises to this going forward. But if there aren't, yeah. then yeah, I'm into that. Yeah. I'd like to see play with, with far fewer limits. That's the thing. I think, I think as this generation goes on, we will see developers be like, look, let's give you lots of options. Do you, do you want 4K? Do you want Ray Traced 60? How, how do you want to do it? Fine, we'll try and give you as many choices as possible. Yeah. But that game continues to look really good, and I wish there was more of it. Which is why I'm starting to play it again, because I just... I'm, I want something to play on the PlayStation. I'm in that mood. I'm just... I want something to be playing on these, on these boxes. Yeah, honestly, it's... You know, I mean, this happens all the time. Yeah, this is every cycle. With with these launches, it's like, I get this console, and then I think, right, I've got it, let's make use of it while we're there. And then I get desperate to the point where I'm thinking, there's Temtem. I'm not getting <laughs> it, I'm not doing that this time. 
I've still got some dignity. It's in a little paste pot. Uh, you did play something, though, this week, Jim. You've got something on the You Played It list. Yeah. It's, it's Age of Calamity again. Yeah. I just come on here and just say the, that again. Like, I like the game. It's good. Well, I mean, we had multiple weeks where we just kept coming back and saying Hades was good. You're allowed mm-hmm. to come back and just go, Age of Calamity is still good. It still is. I, I finished it. Yeah, you saw those credits roll. I saw them credits roll. I think there's, like, what, two other characters or something to get? post that i i believe there's two post game characters okay I've, I've lost steam a little bit on it since the credits rolled but like a couple of times a week i'm jumping in being like i'll just do a few more missions and eventually i'll get those characters yeah. i mean i i lost steam once i realized that i was just mashing weapons together in the blacksmith and then was like oh right no the, the whole seal matching thing um and then i was like oh okay okay I've I've made a load of shit. Hey, I was just mashing stuff together and it worked fine for me. <laughs> I mean actually I mean they they do work great like like they they um I've done a lot of accidental ones but not like the you know the the maximum. Yeah. It's it's one thing I like about this game is that you can engage as in depth or as little with some of those mechanics as you want and you can still get through just fine if you're not paying attention to seal matching. Oh sure, sure. I mean there's a lot going on. But I like to do those. I I like, you know, playing around with some weapon upgrades and stuff and seeing what I can get out of them. I don't do the whole min-max thing, but if there's like a a way to stack stuff, I'd like to do it. Yeah. And now it's just this sort of annoying process if I want to do it again of sort of leveling up a weapon to a certain point and then removing seals off the stuff I really like and and it's just a bit of a drag. I'm a little more used to some of the other Warriors games where you can actually just straightforward transfer stuff and, and then upgrade each individual sort of weapon stat. So I was kind of looking for that. I must have missed where the game mentioned seals. But then there are a couple points in that game that aren't best explained in game. Yeah, I don't think it's your fault if you've missed that because I missed it as well. I had misconceptions about how that mechanic worked and then realised I wasn't transferring abilities that I thought I was. Yeah, I um, you know, I thought I'd unlock something at the blacksmith where it was like, you can now transfer stuff for and then once i did the removal and saw how things crossed over then i thought that it was something else and you know it's fine there's a few things that this game doesn't do a great job of explaining like it doesn't do a great job of explaining how the food system works like the first few times i thought if i use one of these meals it's going to be gone from this menu as opposed to it'll consume items from my inventory and i can make it again in future that took me longer than it should have to pick up. Oh, yeah, I think, yes, I think I got that impression. Yeah, like I'd have to cook them somewhere else or something. Yeah, yeah. I thought I would have to try and find on the map where the place was that gave me that recipe and go make it there again. Yeah, because I didn't use them for a while until I got to a point where I was like, I bet this will be a bit of a challenge mission. Let's do that. Yeah. Then I do that with a lot of these cooking upgrade things anyway. Once I started using it, I realised like, oh, this is actually a really easy thing to just keep using and you get plenty of resources to, to do it, but I held off on it for a while. Yeah, although I did find myself going into the shops a lot, just sort of going down buying certain rare stuff over and over Mm. so you know it's a bit of a hassle at points but the gameplay is really really good you know i'm still in i'm still i don't want to say impressed well i'm impressed by the warriors game standard um (laughs) at the variety of play styles that each character has and given how many there are you know even though they're quite 
simple. They're still using, like, here's a button press for an ability. The way it interacts with the other um, combos and, and stuff you have yeah. uh, really gives each character a different way of interacting with the basic hack and slash model. Yeah. Like, there's one character that I, I'll just sort of explain their moveset without explaining who they are, but um, there's a character that every time you do a heavy attack, it'll summon in an object. Uh, and depending on where in your string of light attacks you use that heavy attack, it'll be a different object, which will do damage by itself. But when you destroy it, it gives you a seal that will then power up a different attack. And I was like, that's basically just light and heavy attacks in combination. But it has a really good flow of the way that you do them impacts the resources your character has to use. Yeah, my favourite character is one that plays similarly to Xanth that has that bar that fills up with certain attacks that you oh. can't let overfill or you will fall over, you know, you'll get interrupted and be vulnerable. Yes. And so this character, at the end of various combo attacks, if you keep mashing the button, they will keep performing an attack that fills that bar up. And if you stop in time, uh, you can then fire off this huge yes. devastating bit. That's so, like, it's so overpowered. I love it. I knew you were going to love that character. I um, I was like, I, I'm ready for you to get him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and yeah, it's really good. It's mechanically a nice step up in individual character complexity from... Yeah the original Hyrule Warriors, even if it is a trade-off of having fewer overall characters to play with. Yeah, I mean, I'm pleased with this. I, I think it works well in that it does have that status as a sort of Breath of the Wild prequely thing, whereas the first one has a bit more pressure to sort of select as much from across the series as possible. Um, this could focus on just... um characters relevant to Breath of the Wild, add in some ones, and really go to town on making them feel different. I really want to see Nintendo and Koei Tecmo continue doing crossover stuff. Oh, sure. Every time they've done a not-Dynasty Warriors thing where they've worked with the Nintendo, it's turned out really well. Yeah, I keep saying, you give them some someone else's IP, and they start <laughs> showing pride again. Uh, so yeah, yeah, good, good on them. I like the the whole just the sheer amount of stuff to do and unlocking unlocking new attacks and health upgrades for each character by putting materials into them um with little quests on the map you know it's just a little bit of text that says oh they need to uh, do a dump but they don't have a shovel to dig a hole in the woods you need <laughs> give them these materials to make one and then you do it and then it unlocks a new attack uh, for whoever character it's relevant to and it's really on theme with breath of the wild it just does what it can to take those elements from that game like materials and stuff was such a big part of it mm. that they've made that part of this game's upgrade system and part of the cooking system in ways that fit a more streamlined warrior style game yeah it's a good game very much so i've had a very good time with it yeah and i, I still yeah i still um agree with with what i said last week with the whole um, it might not feel quite as special as the first one, just because that one was a little more left field and had that novelty factor. But this one is definitely the better game. This one definitely feels more polished. It feels like it has a clearer vision of what it wanted to be. It suffers a bit less from, yes, this is a game about a certain franchise, but we're going to put our Tecmo char Koei character in who's going to be the real hero. Like, mm. some of those weird little things have been just smoothed out a bit. <laughs> yeah, and they... um. What they've done is um, managed to lose the thread two seconds into a sentence. That is amazing. <laughs> That's a new record. 
they did a good job with the game. They did. <laughs> oh, life's terrifying. Life is terrifying. Comrade, you played anything else this week? Well, I, I did play a little bit more Fall Guys. I think the thing that I'm finding a little bit frustrating about Fall Guys is how good the end of every season is right before the season ends. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, I'm looking forward to new content and things like that, but I, I really do kind of feel, especially with now, am I really only playing Fall Guys for a few hours every week? I, I, I feel like I'm going to be overwhelmed with an assault of the same couple of thematic levels again at the start of this season. I'm going to get frustrated with it. And then the mid-season update's going to come along and be like, yes, this is the game that I wanted the whole time. And then, you know, it's over. Well, <laughs> with a game like this, I think it's totally okay to dip in for a couple of hours at the start of the season and go, okay, I have an idea of what's new. I'm going to wait until you fix these things. Yeah. And enjoy the back half of the season, I think is totally respectable. There are enough games in there now uh, with enough variety in terms of modes that are really good that I, I kind of want them to refine a little bit longer instead of trying to throw a whole bunch of new stuff in because there are enough things out there to really let players experiment with and, and get used to. Like getting uh, fruit fired at you in rollout is a recent change and it's huge it makes uh, it makes that whole game way more compelling and this is the thing like i get it with the progression from season one to season two it was important for them to get more stuff in there so there was a wider variety of things but i think with season two they've got a good amount of stuff now mm -hmm. it's not like toward the end of season one where it was we are struggling a bit because we do just have this bit of content yeah but it's, uh, you know, I'm still looking forward to what comes next. I'll keep playing it uh, for at least, at le probably at least through this season. And if it feels like they're falling into that same pattern again, and I'm winding up with a period of like two or three weeks where I'm just like, uh, kind of getting over seeing this stuff again, I, I might not do a fourth season, but... Yeah, we'll see. I might end up being the same sort of way as you on that. But here's the thing. Even if season three is the last one you play, that's more than I think most of us play of online games generally. Like, none of us are particularly online game people. The fact that we're still on it at all is a testament to it. <laughs> it is the most dedicated I've been to an online game in close to seven years or eight years. I used to play a lot of Awesome Knots and uh, a fair bit of Team Fortress 2. The last time I got this into an online game was, and this was before all the Ubisoft shit came to light, was the beta for Ubisoft's uh, roller derby game roller champions yeah, yeah. Mm. that was the last time i remember getting this into an online game and being like yeah i'm gonna keep playing this weeks from launch i get quite into a lot of them but only really briefly like the most i'll get is i think fall guys was the longest i ever stuck with one and i didn't even make it to halloween to buy the costumes i was saving all those grounds <laughs> for i i played a reasonable amount of a fortnight when it came to the switch i played a bit of fortnight then yeah I played more of it than I expected to. I could just never get the feel for that action. It was a bit too fast and loose for me. Clearly, it's compelling <laughs> to a lot of people. But I just get in there, I fumble around for a bit, I get shot, and I'm like, Ugh. I land somewhere near no people, I find a bush to hide in, and I I kill people from being hidden in a bush. And that's that was my entire strategy, and it suited me fine for a good six weeks. <laughs> 
I started playing a bit of Doom Eternal on the Switch. Mm. Oh, because I was curious about that port because it's been it's been delayed several times. It was meant to be day and day, and it got pushed back and back and back. And I tell you what, right? It's a shame when shooters get delayed, isn't it? Mm. It is a real shame when shooters get delayed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Carry on. Yeah, <laughs> not mentioning any shooters in oh, particular. Oh yeah, no names. No, no names. No names. It's a shame. Ah, uh, it's a shame. No, I played the 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 original like the 2016 Doom on Switch. Yeah, it was one of like the more surprisingly polished main console ports. It held 30 frames a second really well. It was a surprisingly robust port. It was okay. Yeah, I mean, all I really have to say about the Doom Eternal port is once again, it's really good. Yeah. It has a really rock-solid frame rate. It is a surprisingly good port of a technically taxing game on a handheld. If you're in the mood for Doom, this is a totally... You know, it's not 60 frames a second. It's definitely got some graphical sacrifices, but it is a very competent version of Doom. I am I was expecting there to be something wrong with it, considering that it had taken a while. It seemed like a bad sign, but now if you were happy with the original Doom on Switch, this is the same quality bar. It is once again good. Beth- Bethesda put a lot of work into doing good ports on Switch. Like their Wolfenstein ports to Switch have been good. They just generally seem to do good Switch ports. And the only other thing I jumped into, I went back and played more of that Marvel's Avengers this week. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm no, sorry. No, no. I have zero interest in the online. I didn't go... Heavens no for that. Heaven forbid they actually put some more single player content in that game. It continues the story. It's got Kate Bishop, who is the one that isn't Hawkeye, who shoots bows and arrows. Yeah. I enjoyed the little bit of additional story added. It's like three to four hours of story. Don't go into this expecting, like, you know, the the length of a proper story expansion. Oh, don't worry, I won't. Yeah, yeah. It's look. I, I had a lot of fun with the story <laughs> mode in Avengers. Just, I'm. It's it's <laughs> it's not you. I'm having a go at. Oh, I no, just I really know. hate the game and that it exists. Oh no! <laughs> I, this game should not be a live service. It is a terrible live service game. It is made worse by the fact it's a live service. Well, it's. I wouldn't call it a live service much anymore. <laughs> no, but as someone who went into that game mainly looking for a single player. I want to feel like a powerful superhero for a bit and have a bit of power fantasy. This is like three or four more hours of that. Even if the online, the live service shit continues to suck, if they add like two or three more of these characters before the whole thing crumbles in on itself, I will enjoy every couple of months getting to go, oh, there's a couple of hours of superhero I can do in one sitting and then not think about for a while. Yeah. I mean, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. I wonder if they get to the the whole new generation sort of. I think the best bet, as I've said, is sort of a kind of relaunch vibe to it. Yeah, and we'll see if that could give it a shot in the arm. If they go that route, it would be the move. It has been done successfully sometimes. It's not often, but like, oh no, no, not often. Final Fantasy fourteen is the example of the one that fucking pulled itself up by its bootstraps and was like, we're just gonna re remake the whole fucking thing. And you know, it, it, you can do it. You can make it work. But this is what Avengers is going to be for me Once every two months I boot it up to play for three hours And go, that was cool And then never think about it again Until the next time they add three hours I can mindlessly play It's not high art, but I like smashing stuff with a superhero sometimes Fair enough, innit? Yeah, I think think that's all I've played this week Should we talk about some newsy things that happened this week? 
Tell you what, we we could. We could. Yeah, we got that freedom. It's America. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we've got a bit... We've got the freedom to do this. It's America. Here's a new story that happened this week. Dragon Age Inquisition. That's a video game. It's one of those Bioware RPGs. It is, yeah. There's a character in that called Cullen, whose voice actor is a man called Greg Ellis. Greg Ellis has been accused in some places of being a sexist, being homophobic, being transphobic. He's had a lot of, like, various allegations floating around about him for a while, and this week he decided it would be a good idea to, in character as his character Cullen, do a 40-minute in-person rant about cancel culture and about how he's being silenced. Mm -hmm. Okay. Pretending in third person to be his character. Mm. So, like, when, when Kevin Spacey answered his allegations. Yes, yes, pretending he was the fucking man from House of Cards. That was one of the most bizarre things I'd ever seen. Yeah, you know that. Yeah. 40 minutes of that. Fucking hell. And I thought it was weird when Bart Simpson did that Scientology one. Oh. Fucking hell. <laughs> 40 minutes? Yeah, 40 minutes of this man pretending he's not himself. So he keeps being like, I, Cullen... And my voice actor, Greg Ellis, as if his, he's a separate person disconnected from himself. Oh my god, that's so strange. Yeah. Before I go any further in this story, um, Bioware higher-ups have been tweeting like, Oh, don't worry, when it comes to telling you who's in the next uh, Dragon, <laughs> Dragon Age, don't worry, we'll let you know who hasn't been cast. Wow. Yeah, they're, they're not making any secret that this guy will not be coming back to be in future Dragon Dragon Age games. Wow. Yeah, like, like Bioware, like, EA for all of its bullshit, it's at least better about responding to that kind of bollocks. Yeah, yeah. Can, can I just give you just like the tiniest snippet of how off the wall this 40 minute thing was oh my god go for it the manifest is filling up <gasps> the war manifest is filling up join me in this new adventure like follow and subscribe to plant your flag against cancel culture <laughs> do not let the naysayers win <laughs> Mobbing is social murder, and by definition, people cannot survive their own murder. <laughs> oh my god! He's, he's, when you think about it, he's right! <laughs> he is right! I can't, I can't! I can't deny he's right, but also I can't stop thinking about the word womanifest. <laughs> the woman manifest the woman manifest it's pretty good i oh. mean i like the, the the explanation like it really sort of made sure no one um didn't get the wordplay yeah yeah oh, yeah that is so good i don't want to sit through 40 minutes of it i'll have to wait till someone does an edit of the highlights oh you shouldn't the whole thing it's mainly 40 minutes of this man who had a high paid job in a triple a video game talking about how him and his character are both generalized about just because of the coincidence of their skin color and uh he goes very all skin colors matter for a while he doesn't like me too a lot of it isn't funny a lot of it's just a man being yeah. a shitty man and losing his job because well. he went on a weird rant yeah so that's that's just a man telling you that people cannot survive their own murder we yeah and losing his job in the process wow yeah yeah oh oh other highlights he talks about allegations he's a transphobe and says i can't he, he literally word for word i cannot 
sorry. Greg cannot be a transphobe because one of his closest friends is transgender. Oh. He does it in the uh. third person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I've never actually heard it done that way. Points for originality. Yeah, that, I mean, that's innovative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, Jesus Christ. Okay, okay, sorry, I have to tell you one more thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. And this is the punchline, I've been saving this. There is a section where he cuts to riot footage while Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech plays in the background, <sighs> remixed with cro- quotes from Ronald Reagan. The- uh, 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, that's uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what the? Uh, I mean, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, going through. It sounds like it goes through like every single old tiresome <sighs> guy rants about cancel culture thing, like without any self awareness, verbatim. Like, like at least most of these people try and dress up the fact that they're saying the same shit in some sort of new flavor. Well, and they did because they tried to do it in the voice of a character that they don't <laughs> well, own the rights to. That was enough. Yeah, that that was that was the the spark that it needed. <laughs> Fuck. Me running. Unlike Kevin Spacey, Kevin Spacey at least didn't say say by name that he was being the character from the right. Netflix show. He doesn't owe the rights to. A bit smarter about it, yeah. This guy explicitly was hello. I am Cullen, the character from Dragon Age. That's just <laughs> like he something. kept reading like bits of the blurb from the game off off Wikipedia. Like he was trying to make this an advert for Bioware, and Bioware seemingly were not happy about that. Can't imagine why. Yeah, can't. For the life of me, figure that out. You no. do not say Bioware was concerned by this. Oh, <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah. Other news we got this week. So, you know, there's that Monster Hunter film that is happening. With Mila Jovovism. Yes. Um, the, the, the one where the US military end up in Monster Hunter world or something. Mm. <laughs> I, I, I forgot I, about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, the Mila Jovovich is the, in the US military and she falls through a portal into Monster <laughs> Hunter world and has to. I love it. Oh, you've got a sword. Well, I've got a gun. Let's fire some monsters. Oh, I, I, not sporting, first and foremost. Yeah, exactly. Got to give them a chance. Yeah, like, I'm not super into Monster Hunter, as I've said. I've given the series several tries. I really want to like it. Yeah. And weirdly enough, I'm into a lot of games that really copy it. Like, the PS, um, P, PS Vita had some games that were very similar in style, and I really liked those, but Monster Hunter itself I can't do. I will, however, line up to see this one. Mm. I want to see, I want to see Mila Jovovich fight. <laughs> Fighting dinosaurs with the military. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, enjoy it, I guess, because you're probably not getting a fucking sequel. Yeah. <laughs> so the reason this came up in the news is the film hasn't even come out in, uh, in, in English territories yet. So the only place it's currently being released is China. And the movie has already had to be edited because of uh, offensive content that specifically was offensive to Chinese people, the first market in which they launched it. Mm. So the short version, the film launched in China and about two days later was pulled from theatres because of a joke about... uh, Okay, so the line in the film is, What are my knees? What kind of knees are these? Chinese! From a Chinese character. And the pun was linked to the school round racist playground chant Chinese Japanese dirty knees oh, and a lot yeah. of Chinese people were like 
Yeah. Yeah, Chinese, as a pun, brings that up a lot. You do not do that. I mean, it's dumb. Like, that should have just never made it through the editing process for the film. Here's the thing. Someone clearly knew it was offensive, because... Uh, the movie released in China with English language uh, voices and Chinese subtitles. The Chinese subtitles do not translate that joke. Oh. They replace it with an idiom, like a Chinese idiom. And maybe that's a localization thing, but a lot of suspicion in China was, once, once people who were uh, multilingual picked up on it, was... Did they know this was offensive and just try to hide from us that they'd done it? Which is a bad look. And can we talk about like the you know failure in communication that goes on in localization processes where the people who are actually in a culture doing localization aren't somehow saying, hey, wait a minute, this might be a problem you need to address in your other versions of this product yeah. to prevent a problem. So basically, Paul W.S. Anderson has apologized. Well, yes, China's a huge market. Paul wants to sell more movies someday. Yeah. They weren't going to apologize when they inevitably released that movie here. No. If it came here first, this would be a different thing. Yeah. The, the apology is a lot of, like, couched apology, not really wanting to say he's done anything wrong. Um, a lot of, like, I am mortified that this has caused unintentional offence. <laughs> oh, has it? Yeah. And you were so concerned about it that you allowed it to be translated differently into yeah. the... Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was never our intention to send a message of discrimination or disrespect to anyone. To the contrary, at its heart, our movie is about unity. So... Yeah, that's our apology. You know, I mean, I might believe that it was never their intention to do that, but they weren't paying enough fucking attention to prevent it, clearly. Yeah, so don't expect that line to still be in there when that film comes to English-speaking territories, it seems. Um, it, It caused enough of a stir in China for the film to just get pulled from cinemas. Yeah. Some less, like, contra- well, okay, there was controversy in response to it, but, like, the actual piece of news is, like, a genuinely, like, okay, yeah, this is a good thing and it's understandable, you know, how we got there. Twitch has removed the previously existing Twitch stream tag blind playthrough. This has come as, as a response to a lot of blind gamers on Twitch talking about the fact that hey, we're blind and we do playthroughs and it's really difficult for us to communicate to people that that's what we're doing. Sure, yeah. When Mm -hmm. that is sort of the commodified term for doing a first playthrough and you don't want spoilers. Yeah. I heard this was an issue like years ago and I try not to... so, you know, I, I I usually say, like, sight unseen when I talk about going into games in, in that fashion. Yeah, I know I'm not great at it, but I try to avoid it because, yeah, this has been a thing for years. And Twitch basically this week stepped up and was like, yeah, we, we're going to remove that tag and we're going to encourage people to tag their things first, play through and no spoilers, which... Yeah totally achieve the same goal. It's only considerate at the end of the day. Yeah, exactly. There, there are some there are some wonderful blind Twitch streamers who are well worth watching, and I hope that this makes it easier for people to understand what content they are doing and for them to be searchable. Particularly, there's one who I've been really enjoying this year called Sightless Combat, with a K at the start of combat. 
uh, around the time that Last of Us 2 was releasing, he did a completely sightless start-to-finish playthrough of that game on Twitch. It was a fascinating watch. Oh, yeah, that would have been... yeah. I'm glad that they are making it easier for blind people to communicate, I am blind and doing a playthrough. Sure, yeah. As a thing that they're doing on Twitch. Mm-hmm. That's just That's just some good stuff that's happening. That's nice. Understandably... Shitbags on the internet got shouty because, of course, they did. Oh but yeah, fuck them. I mean, just yeah, yeah. And the last thing I've got on here, and I'm gonna, I'm not gonna get too much into this because none of us are playing fucking cyberpunk. It's you know, it is what it is. Just a warning to everyone: cyberpunk contains extreme photosensitivity triggers that have caused at least one reviewer ahead of launch to have a seizure, and yeah. the game only warns you about that in its. Eula, which no one reads the fucking Eulas for things. In fact, the Eula itself starts with a joke about how no one reads them. Oh, does it? Yeah. I didn't know that. That's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, of yeah. course. Of course it does. So, yeah. yeah. When did we all start calling them Eulas? It's Eula, it's SNES, but it's 8080. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Video game is one word. If you rewind the tape, you will hear me pausing going, oh God, I don't say this word out loud. Do I say EULA? E-U-L-A? E-U-L-A is usually, but... Yeah, you you knew what I meant. I say EULA. I don't have enough time (laughs) to Uh, say anything but EULA. Yeah, so CD Projekt Red have responded to this, and their response is basically... We're gonna patch in, like, a more prominent thing that warns you about photosensitivity triggers, and then we'll think about how to, in the future, maybe do something about this. All I will say about this is that conversations about photosensitivity triggers in video games are not a new thing, and any big AAA studio who, at this point, has not considered that flashing full-screen red and white strobing might be a problem... Needs to think yeah. more. Yeah, there's a reason that Pokemon episode was pulled in like yeah, 1999. Yeah. Oh, uh, for for the last 20 years, there have existed uh, guidelines that the TV industry follows that are like these are the things you should avoid so that the highest number of people possible won't have seizures because of your piece of media. Oh. The guidelines, like what the game industry keeps thinking it doesn't need up to and including the body design to give it guidelines. Exactly. Because that's that's the thing. We know the things that in media will cause photosensitive episodes, uh, migraines, seizures, etc. No video game is ever going to be 100% safe for anyone with epilepsy to play. There is always a certain amount of risk. But we know the things that you can avoid to make the largest number of games accessible to the largest number of people. And to have not even thought about it is just, oh, we didn't realise that would be a problem that we did a big flashing red and white strobe, which is... Okay, so I've seen some people attributing this to malice, saying that this was deliberately done. The reporter who initially reported on this made the connection to the fact that there is a technique that is used specifically to trigger seizures when it is required for medical things, like to do brain scans. That is exactly this. Now, I suspect this probably wasn't malice. I suspect that it was probably really fucking poorly thought through. Well, yeah, I'm sure they didn't do it on purpose. No, there is a whole thing... that people do. I did some research on this. People try and trigger themselves having lucid dreaming by flashing red and white lights through closed eyes. That is a thing that that people do to try and have, I'm not doing drugs, but I'm having a drug experience. And I feel like that's probably the reference that was going on here because flashing red and white lights to get you into a dream state or something. But it is unforgivable to have made that big of a mistake. 
Like that's a that's a fuck up that could seriously injure people, and you know that's bad. Well, a contingent of cyberpunk's fans know that it could injure people. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm gonna fuck them. Yeah, yeah. I'm saving up a lot of what I've got to say about that. Yeah, at some other point, it's largely what I tweeted the other day. People need some fucking perspective, and there is no way we shouldn't be in a situation where, like, a large game coming out has people bracing themselves. Oh yeah, yeah. And on, and also because it seems like the other people who are huge fans of this game aren't happy either. They're bracing to be pissed off and angry at anyone who dares criticize the game for something so so straightforward and factual as this gave me a seizure i did a couple of tweets saying i'm not gonna play this game because i just don't want to deal with the fucking drama of this one some italian games website wrote about my tweets as if it was the fucking end of the world that i wasn't playing this video game people need perspective there's this is this is like cult behavior yeah it needs to my my i yeah, I'm going to gather my thoughts and the the shit that someone received for reporting the factual information that they had a seizure because of this video game. Yeah. The treatment they received in the aftermath is fucking sickening. And this keeps happening. It's like yeah, the the mildest criticism. I've said for many years that there is this this violently angry contingent of gamers for whom the slightest criticism truly is like that's why we do the whole great or perfect joke they truly believe that if you don't say something is 100 percent flawless the mildest criticism i've had things where i've had one line in a huge review and i get novels of responses to that one line because they won't accept it they won't accept a single criticism that is weird that is weird yeah don't do it like it's not Not good weird. It's terrifying weird. Yeah, like a dinosaur in a hat. Oh, that's that's good weird. That'd be fucking amazing if a dinosaur in a fucking hat just sort of rode a unicycle, a human-sized one, down the street. I'm like, that is weird. That is good. This is... This is weird. This is like if Leatherface was real and he's, like, putting you on a hook weird. Games shouldn't have that hold on you. Yeah. Wow. So that's that. That's that one. That's that one. We've hit an hour. Did anyone else have anything else? Or are we 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 doing good here? Uh, I don't know. I I thought I had something to say, but now I can't remember it. What was I going to say? I'm sure it was interesting. It wasn't. I already said on Boston's favorite son. I was outside Conrad's place yesterday, which was True. you know really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was very you interesting. Know. It was very interesting. And and they can hear all about that on Boston's favorite son. Yeah, about Boston's favorite son. We did a new one that's coming out this week. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of, of plugging things and stuff <laughs> that could that are coming out, Laurie, I'm sure you have one or two items for the perusal of listeners who are now bereft of entertainment. Yeah, I've I've got a couple. I've got a couple. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find me at Laura K Buzz in all the places: Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon. That's the important one. That's the one that pays the bills, patreon.com slash Laura K Buzz. A Twitch stream, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays at 10 pm UK, 5 pm Eastern, 2 pm Pacific. We are still going ahead with Yakuza. We are playing, we're getting through that. I have a bunch of little things I want to play after that's done, but we're, we're getting through it. We're getting there. Every Friday, I upload episodes of Accessibility, which is a show all about accessibility and representation in the games industry. Check that out on youtube.com slash Laura K Buzz. Then there's books. Uncomfortable Labels, that's that's one that's out. It's about being an autistic trans woman. You can get it where books are sold or as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. There's also Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which, Jim, 
thank you for the wonderful, wonderful job you did with advertising that at the start of Jimquisition this week. Oh, no problem. No problem. I keep going back and rewatching it and it makes me smile very much, so thank you. Yeah, Things I Learned from Mario's Butt. That officially releases on February 4th, 2021. But if you are someone who backed the book on Unbound, your copy's on its way to you. People have received them in the UK already. Um, I think the audiobook versions are going out in the next couple of days. People in other countries should start receiving them later in the week. It's out there. And hopefully people like it. I've not heard if anyone likes it yet, just that they have it. Other than that, there's Gender Euphoria, which is a, just a book of non-cis people's positive gender-affirming stories. That is going to be releasing June 10th, 2021. It's real close to being done. Uh, we're having like the, the early proof copies for reviewers have started printing. Like it's, it's getting there. So that's in like six months. Also, there's podcasts. Pixel Squirt. It's about video game porn. I talk about porn with Mari and Stacy from Geek Remix. We just watch video game characters fuck and then we tell you about it. <laughs> There's also Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where myself and my lovely wife-to-be, Jane, we talk about things that aren't video games. We talk about board games, TV shows, music, podcasts, whatnot. There's also Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. Every season is a self-contained story. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, and seven with Conrad. Oh, hey, that's true. You can find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. Uh, you can support me on Patreon at patreon.com slash fistshark. And uh, you can buy some anti-capitalist propaganda from me at Pinful Truth. Been getting a lot of orders because the holiday thing's going on and they make like proper stocking stuff things if you do that. And if you were thinking about ordering, you should probably do it pretty soon because we're running out of time on that. But you can also get an audiobook from me at conradreads.com if you want something instant. And you can uh, watch me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday starting at 2 p.m. Eastern. And other than that, listen to Boston's Favorite Son, which we actually seem to be Putting out episodes up. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. That's good. I do that with Jim, who has a Patreon. Yeah, patreon.com slash Jimquisition. And do some Twitch streaming. They've been a little light this week. It's been a front-loaded week, work and, and stuff-wise and, and business. But, you know, I'll do it. Do my best. Uh, Twitch TV slash Jim Sterling. We can check that out. And that'll do. Yeah, that'll do. Hope you enjoyed and everything. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.